Welcome to the Beringa Energy Explainer podcast, a supplement to our Energy Innovators podcasts. Through our Explainer podcasts, we aim to explore at a more fundamental level a key theme discussed in one of our client-facing podcasts. We hope that this provides some valuable context and clarification of those more in-depth conversations with our clients for listeners who might not be highly involved in that area of the industry. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in our explainer series. Last time we tackled the decarbonisation of heat and today we're looking at another one of the big issues in the energy transition, decarbonising transport. My name is Matt Hattam, I'm an analyst at Beringa Partners and today I'm delighted to be joined by Alexis Storey who's going to give us her insights into the clean transport space. Hi Alexis, many thanks for joining us today. Hey Matt, really happy to be here too. Alexis, maybe you could just start by briefly introducing yourself and summarising some of the previous work you've been involved in uh, within clean transport. Sure, will do. So as Matt said, hi, I'm Alexis Storey. I sit in Beringa's e-mobility team and I've been helping our clients develop their EV propositions, uh, come up with the business cases for um, electrification of transport and to understand some of the wider implications such as the impact on the grid. Awesome. Thanks, Alexis. So clean transport, it's, it's a concept that a lot of people are familiar with, but still maybe you could just give us your high level definition of what we mean when we talk about clean transport. Sure. So I guess when we talk about clean transport, the transport sector is really high in terms of emissions. So from a UK perspective, it actually makes up 26 percent of our emissions. So when we talk about things like meeting net zero targets, getting our transport to be clean will be really, really key to that transition. So I guess to explain a bit more about what actually is clean transport, it could be anything from switching to a battery electric vehicle from a kind of personal vehicle perspective. It could be transitioning a fleet. So that means vans, deliveries, et cetera. Um, or it could even be public transport. So how would you make a, a bus, for example, um, emit less carbon as, as it runs? Does that help? Yeah, that's, 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 that's a great uh, overview. And just off the back of that, then, why, why is the noise around clean transport risen so much over the last couple of years? You know, why are we seeing this become such an important theme within the wider energy transition? So it's a great point. I think it comes back to the fact that transport is a very high emission sector. It's actually more than energy, which I found quite quite surprising. And it's definitely really high up the kind of government and policy agenda. The research was in November. Um, there was a big announcement that um, what, what we call ICE vehicles, which stands for internal combustion engine. So that's your kind of red, regular petrol diesel vehicles. It will actually be illegal to buy a new ICE vehicle after 2030. And, and the big gossip around that was it was moved forward by 10 years. So generally, people see that as like a really, really positive step that the government is really serious about moving more quickly and, and making this happen. Excellent. So it, sound, it sounds like momentum is gathering then around, you know, wider EV penetration. But what, what are some of the key challenges that need to be overcome if we're wanting to accelerate that adoption of electric vehicles and hit some of the targets that the government have set? 
so it's a great question and and it's it is a really hard one so i guess if i set the scene of kind of where we are at the moment in, if we take 2020 nine percent of new registered vehicles were electric this year so that's a big improvement on, on what it's been previously but as you can see that you know that's still pretty low numbers in in the great scheme of things so there are a bunch of barriers that kind of stopping that action happen maybe as quickly as we would like um so for me some of the big ones are firstly kind of the availability of electric vehicle models so um we use a term called OEM, but that basically stands for car manufacturer. So the majority of OEMs do now have electric vehicle models available, but far fewer um, choice than you might get if you were choosing an, a nice vehicle. So I think that's a big one is just the availability of options out there is smaller. Um, so, so that's a big one. I think another key one is is a really point around customer behaviour and I guess the changes um, people need to make to, to do this switch. That's a really interesting one because I suppose there is a big social component as well to EV uptake. Yeah, maybe, maybe you could expand a little bit more on some of the key changes to uh, consumer attitudes that are required if we want to see um, more, more EVs on the road. Sure, sure. So I think a big one is you might have heard this term called range anxiety. It certainly comes up that it's a term that comes up quite often. And that's about consumers, I guess, being afraid that they might run out of, of battery um, sort of mid journey, um, as, as you might similarly from a, from a petrol perspective. But I think that is improving. So if you look at something like the Nissan Leaf, which is an electric vehicle that's probably at the lower end of the market, so a, a more cost cost effective vehicle. Even um, even that, the new version has a range of 160 miles, and you know we should only see get better over the coming years. Something else I wanted to mention was around charging infrastructure. So that's kind of yeah. the equipment that you might see on the street. Um, to allow you to charge your vehicle. And I'm sure you see sort of more and more of those kind of popping up. Um, so again, it's improving, but at the moment there wouldn't be enough chargers out there if everyone did have an electric vehicle. So it's another key barrier is around making sure that we can install the right infrastructure and the right mix of kind of fast and slow charging um, to, to meet everyone's needs. That's really interesting. So it sounds like there are still a number of barriers to adoption then in terms of the availability of electric vehicle models from a customer's perspective, um, sense of range anxiety and whether the car will, will be able to sustain itself over the distance they're wanting to travel. And also in terms of, you know, from a charging infrastructure perspective, which sounds like it's improving, but still insufficient to deal with high volumes of, of EVs. What's being done at the moment to, to mitigate some of these barriers? Could you maybe summarise some of the, the core initiatives and policies that are in place or, or under consideration? Sure, will do. And like I said, I think the situation is improving all the time, uh, yeah, due to some of these kind of policies and initiatives. So I think a big one that's again been a kind of hot topic in the news is the government has announced um, a new fund for rapid charging. And rapid charging is effectively um, 
powerful chargers that would be installed on kind of motorways and A roads, which allow you to charge pretty quickly. So that's kind of almost a replacement for a petrol garage that you could maybe go have a coffee and in half an hour, your car would be, be fully charged. So it's a lot of investment going into that space. I think the other one is the grants that are available to help you buy an electric car. So something we didn't really touch on was they are more expensive. There is a higher upfront cost. And so their government is providing a kind of £3,000 grant to help you with that higher upfront cost. Um, so I think that's a big policy that that is kind of helping to change behaviours. Um, and then the last one I wanted to mention was around the grid. So we talked about this need for more infrastructure, but as you can imagine, those all have to be plugged into the grid and um, the grid wasn't really designed with that in mind. So it's certainly something that is changing and grid companies are starting to be more innovative about how they can manage this higher number of vehicles. So it's very much um, on their radar and uh, changing the way that they work as well. That's great. Thanks, Alexis. So so clearly a lot of things being done already. Where Where is the focus at this moment in time in, in the context of clean transport? So we as Beringa at the moment are focusing a lot on better understanding our customers. So making sure that we can segment those customers to really understand their local and granular charging needs and therefore make sure we have the infrastructure in place to meet those needs and hopefully build their confidence in the ability to transition to electric vehicles. That's really interesting. Thanks, Alex. Um, it's been absolutely great to talk to you and, and get your insights on this area, such a fascinating topic that so many people are interested in. So really appreciate you joining us. Cheers, Matt. Thanks for having me. If you've just tuned into the Baringa Explainer podcast on clean transport, We'd highly recommend that you have a listen to our conversation with Uber's Tess Commode and Rebecca Jeffrey. Tess and Rebecca provide some valuable insights into some of the challenges and barriers to large-scale uptake of EVs in the UK and the role that Uber is playing in facilitating this transition. You can listen to this conversation by following the link in the bio.